If God is a gift-giving God, what gift do you think he'd want to give you? One of the things that I've just learned over the years of being in relationship with God is that God is generous to a fault. Uh, God is a gift-giving God. So if that's true, Scripture makes pretty clear that God is uh, generous and he is one who just desires to lavish gifts uh, on us. What gift do you think God would have for you? Or really, if you got a pen and, and if you got the bullets and write it down, what do you think that gift uh, from God for you would be? Now, let me ask, as you're thinking about this, let me ask a, a follow-up question. After hearing that, how many of you began to immediately think when you heard, like, God's a gift-giving God, He's got a gift for me, what gift is that going to be, uh, or could that be? How many immediately began to think about uh, whether you've been naughty or nice, whether you kind of started thinking through, well, huh, I haven't really been walking with God recently, and I haven't really been paying attention to God, so I don't think the gift He'd have for me is going to be a good one because my performance really hasn't been good. Or you may have just immediately started thinking, man, I've been killing it in my time with God. I've been praying a ton, reading scripture a ton. I've been giving. I've been serving. Clearly, God would want to have this amazing gift for me. Well, I know it's a hard concept to grasp, but God is not anything like Santa. Uh, there is no naughty or nice list. When God is thinking about gifts that he has for us, he doesn't look at your life and say, well, you know, they haven't given anything recently, and they haven't served recently, and they haven't read their Bible recently, so I got, they get bupkis, they get nothing. Or he looks at the person who's just been doing the opposite of those things and is like, wow, I, I've got so many good gifts to give that person. So that's Santa. Uh, he looks at his naughty list, he looks at his nice list, and you get, you know, so the theory goes. But God is nothing like that. Now, there's a great verse in the book of Isaiah. It says in Isaiah 30, verse 18, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. Just read that verse again just to yourself. Look at the screen and read that verse. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. Again, part of my... Uh, just growing up and walking with God over the years has been a lot of unlearning, as it were. Uh, I grew up having a lot of wrong ideas about who God was and how God operated, and uh, specifically as it related to God being a, a generous or a gift-giving God. And I kind of grew up with this idea that God was holding out on me, uh, that God was always holding back from me, as it were. Uh, and I remember reading this verse that just wow, this is what God is like. He's nothing like what I thought he was like. The Lord longs to be gracious to you, and he rises to show you compassion. I want you to know, as we're talking about the gift, that the giver of the gift, he longs to be generous to you. He longs to be gracious. And just by the fact that it's, he's gracious means it's not based on your performance. It's not based on whether you've done something or haven't done something. God is generous. He longs to be gracious to you, and he rises, as it were. I just, I want to shower them with love or compassion, with mercy. How many people uh, ever on Christmas morning, hopefully this might happen to you, but on Christmas morning, you wake up and you open some presents, and you're kind of looking, and you're like, man, this has been a great Christmas. Like, these presents, 
man, they just, I loved all of them. I'm so happy with what I've got, I'm done. And then another present comes out, and then another present comes out. And it's like, I, I could have stopped it too, because the two that I got were just so phenomenal. Now, this is not a perfect example, but this is what I feel like it's with God. It is enough. God didn't even have to give us any gifts, but the fact that he did give us a gift that we can have salvation, that our sins can be forgiven, that we can have eternity in heaven with him is enough. He didn't even have to do that, but that would be enough. He could have stopped right there. But the way it is with God is it's not in his nature just to stop giving. He is a generous, generous gift-giving God. Now, the gift, as I mentioned this morning, and I really want you to know that, I had to unlearn what I had learned about God. I didn't think God was that generous. I, I thought he was more like a cosmic bookkeeper. Uh, and depending on what I did or didn't do, depended on what God gave me. I had to unlearn and learn this amazing truth that, that God is a gift-giving God. He is generous. Now, this morning, uh, one verse, one gift. Uh, and this is the verse. In, uh, it's in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. This is uh, the Apostle John. He says this, How great, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Verse 1, how great is it? How great is the love the Father has lavished on us? This word lavish, it's an extravagant uh, love that God has just poured out on us in abundance that we should be called children of God, and that's what we are. Now, if you only had one verse to look at in all of Scripture, that's a pretty amazing verse to look at. You learn that God is not passive in how He feels about you. That's one thing you can learn about God today. He is not at all passive in how He he thinks about you, how He feels about you. He is aggressive in demonstrating how much His feelings towards you, namely that He loves you. God's love is is tangible, meaning it's something that we can feel, it's something that we can experience. When John says, how great is this? He's living in it, he's walking in it, he's experiencing it. We learn that God's love is not without effect, meaning because of God's love that's extravagantly poured out on us, we're children of God. So it's a love that enables us to become something, to be called something that I'm now a son of God, a daughter of God. I'm a child. I'm his kid. We also learn that God is Father. You notice how it says, in, in, right? How great is the love, the Father? Not just God, but God is viewed here as how great is the love the Father has lavished on us. So he's personal, God is not some abstract thought, idea. He's not an energy. He's not a force. God is Father. Now, if God is Father and I am His child, that means you're part of His family. Now, I'll go back and read it one more time. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Now, I think when John's writing this, 
He really believed it. I think he just, he paused and he's like, my goodness, this is amazing. When he was thinking on the, the love that God has just poured out, has demonstrated him, it just stopped him. And he asked, how great is this? This is amazing. This extravagant, this love that's been lavish. And on top of that, we get to be called children of God. I, I see in, Paul, or in uh, John here, it had a profound impact on him. Now, my question for us would be, well, how great is this news to you? Because I see in John, if you're going to do like a scale of 1 to 10, hands down, he would be off the charts 10. Hands down, he was just so blown away by the lavished love of God, extravagant love of God, to be called a child of God. Hands down, 10 plus. But for you, how does it impact you? How does it sit with you? When you hear this, and I'm going to say this a lot today, I'll be very repetitive. How does it impact you to know that God has lavished his love on you, that you get to be called a child of God, a son or a daughter? Now, I think, I guess, I'm thinking if we're, we're honest, we hear this amazing news, and again, if we're honest, some of us, if not a lot of us, would say, yeah, that's pretty good news, but I've heard that before. Like, okay, well, what's next? Like, do you have more than that? Like, isn't there anything beyond, like, okay, I get it. I've heard it. I've, God loves me. I know that. Yay, I get to be a child of God. Now, I'm not saying that in a mocking way, but I think when we hear this, it's like, yeah, this is good news, but is there more news? Like, I, I wonder why for a lot of us, and I was in this boat myself, of like, okay, stop telling me God loves me. I, I, I get that. But then I would really wrestle with, wow, if I really got that, I think things would actually look a little bit different in my life. I think one of the reasons that we, this doesn't have the impact that it should on us, and I, this is, I'm just sharing personally, kind of my journey in really understanding how profound it is, the lavished love of God, and that I could be an adopted child, son of God. Uh, I think my two reasons of why there was a point in my life, it didn't amaze me. I was like, I, I've heard it before. Okay, I get it. What, what, what next? Well, I think one of the two things that I learned is I had, I had forgotten. I had failed to realize that it wasn't always like that, meaning I was not always a child of God. I was not always a son of God. I was not always part of God's family. I had quickly forgotten that there was a point in time where I was separated from God, where I didn't know him as father. Uh, a couple verses that communicate this in 1 Peter 3, it says, For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous being Jesus, for the unrighteous being me, to bring you to God. I, I, I couldn't have a relationship with God on my own. I couldn't be part of God's family. I couldn't have anything good from God because I didn't know God. I was a sinner. I was rebellious. I was hard-hearted. And I think when I, when I ask myself the question of why, did that, why doesn't that amaze me that God's love, that I can be a son of God? Well, I had forgotten. I'd failed to realize that there was a point in time where 
I wasn't. John 1.12, and the same author who's writing 1 John, uh, the apostle says this, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. See, it wasn't until I received something from God that I received the right to be in God's family. Now, it's pretty humbling to remember that we were once separated from God because of sin. But when we fully realize where we once were, man, it is absolutely amazing to, to think about what God had to do to secure me being in his family. Like when I realized where I was before I knew God, before I had received Jesus, it is not only humbling, but it is amazing to think of the lengths that God went to secure me being his son. And it's the same for you. It is an amazing thing what God has done to secure you being his son, his daughter. Because it wasn't always like that. You rebelled. I rebelled. Hard-hearted towards God. Sinful towards God. When I consider what he did to make sure that I could receive and be part of his family. Uh, Emily actually read this verse, and it's such a powerful verse in Galatians 4. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. See, at just the right time, God sent Jesus. Why? To redeem those who were separated from him, all of humanity. Why? So that we could be brought into God's family. It wasn't always like that. And I just consider God took his one son, sacrificed his one son, so that through faith in that, I get to be a son. That's absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Now, I think one of the people, uh, I used to do youth ministry and uh, saw a lot of different kids who had gone through foster and uh, other kids who had been adopted. It is a rarity that you meet someone at the age of beyond seven or eight or even older that gets adopted. It's a rarity. Uh, and I remember meeting kids who were 14, 15, 16 uh, who were now adopted. Why? Well, because most people don't want 15, 16-year-olds, okay? They don't. But a 15 or 16-year-old kid, when he talks about his adoption, he remembers what it was like going from foster home to foster home uh, and just being bounced around. And he gets, she gets what it's like when a mom or a dad comes and says, we want you. We want you. We want to call you son. We want to call you daughter. It's so encouraging, so amazing to see someone who is older get adopted because they really get, they remember well where they once were. If you would be amazed by the love of God, if you would be amazed that you can be called a child of God, don't ever forget it wasn't always like that. Don't ever forget what God had to do to secure your adoption. He went to great lengths so that you could know him as father and you could have a new name as son. And I think one of the things that, again, this is my personal journey of, I forgot what God was like. So when I heard a verse of how great is the love the Father has lavished on us. Now, I'm going to give you a very quick, quick list. Because I think when we hear God loves you, it's like, okay, I've heard it. But I think what I lost sight of is God. Do you realize 
what it means when you hear the words, God loves you, okay? Because you, you can't separate the name God from who God is, okay? Omnipresent. God is everywhere at all times. A great verse in Jeremiah 23. Am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can anyone hide in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. So the God who loves you is omnipresent. He is everywhere at all times. He's omniscient. God has complete and perfect knowledge of all things. So the God who loves you is not only omnipresent, but he's omniscient. Hebrews chapter 4 says this, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him, to him whom we must give an account. There is nothing that's hidden from God. He knows absolutely everything. So the God who loves you is everywhere. He knows all things, and he's omnipotent. He is all-powerful. Remember when the angel visited Mary, and Mary's a little bit confused. I'm a virgin. How could I possibly give birth to a child, nonetheless the child of God? And you know what the angel says in verse 37 of Luke 1? Well, nothing's impossible with God. Why? Because God is all-powerful. So the God who loves you is omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent, or uh, omnipotent, God all-powerful. Um, and here's another one. God doesn't change. God is immutable, meaning he's consistent. The same God that we learn of in the scriptures is the same God that's here today. Malachi 3.6, I, the Lord, do not change. That's it. I, the Lord, do not change. So do you know what that means? The same love that God has does not increase or decrease. There's nothing we could do or not do. God does not change. He is consistent. How about God is eternal? God has no beginning. God has no end. He's not bound by time. How about God is sovereign? He's supreme in rule and authority over all things. Now, I want you to go back to the statement, God loves you. So much so that this God who loves you wants you to call him Father. Now, when you consider and you hear the news that God is omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, immutable, eternal, and sovereign, this is the God who loves you extravagantly. Does that change anything for you? See, we're not talking about a God who just hangs out with a long white beard and a white coat, and he's just bored in heaven playing some chess game with your life. When you learn that, my goodness, God, creator, sustainer of all things, loves you. See, when I started adding this up, like I started asking the question, why? <laughs> why would God love me? Well, because that's who God is. God is generous. I didn't deserve his love, and by the way, neither do you. None of us do. But the God of creation, creator, sustainer, all of these things, this is the God who loves you. Now, uh, there's a great book called Crazy Love by a, a man named Francis Chan, and in it, uh, he says this, the very fact that a holy, eternal, all-knowing, all-powerful, merciful, fair, and just God loves you and me 
is nothing short of astonishing. I mean, you can't even really make a sentence to describe what it is like to be loved by this God. And I think that's what's going on with uh, the Apostle John when he's just stopped in his tracks. How great is it? Like, when's the last time you just kind of sat there and was like, man, it is absolutely amazing of how much God loves me, that I would be able to be adopted into his family, that I would be able to be called his son or his daughter. I consider all of the, the metaphors that God could have used to describe himself, it's pretty phenomenal that he used this metaphor of father. How great is the love the father has lavished on you. Now, I don't know everyone sitting here, and I certainly don't know everyone's story, but I know just even the mention of father for you, you cringe. Because some of you had fathers that were abusive, physically, mentally, emotionally, sexually, that were harsh, that were neglectful, that were distant, or maybe just indifferent towards you altogether. I realize that some here, you don't even know who your father is. You've never met the man. Or your memories of when you were like four or five and you haven't seen, you don't even know where he is now. So I realize that for some of you here, you hear the word, how great is the love, the father, and you immediately equate God as father to your father. Well, he's not anything like your father. He's absolutely nothing like your father. This image of God as father means that we can have a close, personal, intimate relationship with him. God as father means we can have constant access to him, meaning he's always available to us. Scripture makes clear that the kind of father that God is, is he's a father who provides for you. What I'm trying to do for us right now is paint this picture of how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called sons, daughters of God, and that's what we are. Is I, I really want you to walk out this door saying, my goodness, this is amazing. The God of all creator, sustainer of the universe, and this Father, God as Father, one who provides. You know God as Father, it would sadden Him when we worry. And I would go as far as say it's a sin to actually worry because God says, do not worry. Because when we're worrying, we're saying to God, I I don't think you can handle this or that. In, In Matthew 6, Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Command what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Then Jesus says, just would you consider this, this picture here. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? See, don't you know how valuable you are to God? Why? Because he's your father, and who are you? You're his son. You're his daughter. And God as father, you may not have had a father who provided for you, but that's not who God is as father. He is a God who is close. We have constant access. He's a God who provides. He's a God as father who loves you completely. And if God loves you completely, you know what that means is there's no room for fear or there's no room for insecurity. Why? Because he loves you completely. 
There's nothing you could do to make him love you more or less. His love is complete on you. So who is this God as Father that has uh, lavished his love on you? Well, it's a complete love. I love 1 John chapter 4, a few verses. It says, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. So who's your father? He's a father who loves you completely. I'll give you a few more. God is a father who protects you. So we don't live in fear. I love in Hebrews, it says, so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? What could possibly happen to me? Why? Well, God's for me. Why? Because God's my father. God is a father who encourages and comforts. And I think this is a hard one for us, but God is a father who disciplines us. I would be a horrific dad if I did not discipline my three kids. So when there is discipline going on in your life, do you know what that's evidence of? It's your father who loves you enough to discipline. He says this in Hebrews chapter 12, our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. Now, this is by no means an exhaustive list of how scripture portrays God as father. Rather, what I wanted to do with this very simple list is give you a snapshot to hopefully stir in your heart and mind this one thought. How great, how great is it the love the Father has lavished on us that you, me, we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Isn't that amazing? See, I want this news, I want this not just to be news I know and hear, but I want to sit with this. I want this to permeate every aspect of who I am. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us. Now, I'm going to finish with this one question. And the question is, how can I live not forgetting or taking for granted that I'm a child of God and that God loves me, that I'm an adopted member of God's family. How can I live moving forward and I don't lose sight of that? I don't forget how awesome that is. I don't forget how amazing that is, that every day it's like, my goodness, it's amazing that God loves me. It is amazing that I can be called this child. How can we live daily in this waking up saying that? And I'm going to give you just two things. I'd encourage you to write these down. Number one is continually receive. What would it look like for you to live with life like this? With a posture of literally your life open to the the things that God has for you. What would it look like for you to be in a posture of continually receiving the gifts that a gift-giving, generous God has for you? See, it it was enough that God loved us enough to send His Son. But God has so much more for us. So number one of how can I live not forgetting, taking for granted, live in the posture of continually receiving from God what he has for you. Now, John 1.12, I've already read this, but I'll read it one more time. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become 
children of God. See, you can't be a child of God unless you've received Jesus. And I can't receive Jesus if my hands are closed, meaning my posture towards God is I'm not receiving what you have to give me. See, I'm not going to be able to receive the love that God has or to become a child, bless you, if my hands are just closed. Now, I think we, we, we would get this, but imagine on Christmas morning. Now, how many people, and show of hands here, a little participation, how many people are pretty excited to give a gift this year? Like, you've got a gift you're pretty fired up to give. Like, you're just excited to see the look on their face, whether it's your husband, wife, children, best friend, parents, whoever, okay? You know what it's like. You put some thought into this. Maybe you even, like, saved some money for it. Maybe you've been planning this for, like, a year. Maybe you made something. Can you imagine what it would be like if you gave that person the gift and they looked at you like, I don't want it. Why would I want that? And they rejected the gift that you had worked hard, thought through, paid for, all that kind of stuff. I think we get how painful that would be. And that is on such a small scale. Now, can you imagine if our posture was continually towards God? I don't want it. This gift of a lavish, extravagant love, this gift of being your child, I don't want it. And the other gifts that God has to give us. See, if we take the posture of life closed up, not receiving, you will not live in the amazement of how incredible, extravagant, lavish God's love is for you. Second one is this. So number one, continually receive from God what he has for you. And number two is continually enjoy God. I think most of us, when we would describe our relationship with God, we wouldn't be like, ah, I'm really enjoying it. I think most of us are like, oh, I have to do this and I have to do this and I got to read my Bible, I got to pray, I should probably serve, I should give. I don't think a lot of us, I'm not saying all, but a lot of us would say, man, I just enjoy God. Now, I'm a dad of uh, a son who's eight, a daughter who's seven, and another son who's five. And we're at a great season right now because they still love me. <laughs> they still love being with me. They still run out when my car pulls up and they hear me in the driveway. They fling open the door, run out the gate, and still greet me at the car. We're still in this season. And I know it's not like I know when I come home and my kid's 18, the chances of him running out and like, Dad, you're home. I'm so excited to see you. I realize that probably is not going to happen. So we're in this really great season where my kids, they still love me and they still love being around me. They're still really excited. And I can't tell you what it's like as a dad just to know that. I, when I pull up and I, they fl- it feels great. I love that my kids still enjoy me. Now, if I get that as a sinful father, can you imagine what it's like for us to just enjoy God? His desire is that we would just enjoy him. Do you know that you're not going to find a verse in the Bible that says, Thou shalt spend regular time with God. Do you know what God says? 
Do you know what the command is? He didn't give us a checklist of, well, you read your Bible for this amount of time, and then you pray for this amount of time, and then for the really artistic people, you journal a little bit extra, and then for the musically inclined, you sing a little bit. Do you know what God said? Love me. See, when you understand the great commandment was love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. See, when you understand what God wants from you is that you would love him, that you would enjoy him. And as you love and enjoy him, you are continually amazed by how, how extravagant the love that God has for you. Because when I see my kids running out towards me, do you think I like close the door and I'm like, go away? I don't. I, I give him huge hugs. God wants you to love him. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, how great, how amazing is the love that God has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are, children of God. The first gift that we open in this Christmas series is this gift of God's love poured out, the gift of adoption that we could be called sons and daughters of God. Read it one more time, and it's actually John 1.12. Yet to all who received, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. If you're here today and you have never received this gift of adoption, if your posture towards God has been one of, I'm just closed, I want you to know God loves you. When I say God loves you, I want you to know that this is the God who is omnipotent, omnipresent. He's eternal. He's holy. He's sovereign. The God of all things, the God of the universe loves you. He knows you by name. And he sent his son to die on a cross so that you could be adopted into his family by receiving his son. If you've never received that gift, the gift of adoption, then today when we spend some time praying, celebrating communion, and celebrating more time of worship, receive this gift today. And it's honestly as simple as, God, I receive Jesus. I receive your son. And for those who have already received this gift, I hope and I pray, and maybe you can spend some time praying God, I don't want this news that I'm loved by you and that I'm your son or your daughter to just be news that's just news anymore. I want to live in the constant amazement of how awesome it is to be called your child, to be called your son, to be called your daughter, to know that the God of all things loves me, that I can call him father. If that is not something that has amazed you, Spend some time praying, saying, God, open my heart wide to receive this love that you have. 